good people of Los Angeles, good people of Atlanta. Welcome to another cross pod. Cross pod, cross pod, cross pod. Tonight, we've got Grego from FPFC UTV. That's for the culture pod down there in the A. He showed us a great time when we were down there. We wanted to bring him on and talk a little bit about Atlanta, talk a little bit about football culture, talk a little bit about how black culture is getting into football culture. And thanks to Grego, we got to meet Sky tonight. And Sky is actually an Atlanta native, but based here in Torrance now. She runs the Shea Butter FC podcast. She's a big part of the Angel City uh, FC coming up. The, the season's coming up this year. You already know. You already got your tickets. We talk about Angel City. We talk about support. We talk about, shoot, we talk about Shea Butter and when it's going to come out on the website. These guys create great merch. They create great pods. You probably turn our pod off right now, listen to their pod, then come back to our pod, listen to more pods and get potted out with us. Slim, I'm all over it. I'm hopped up on tea. Do you want to hit them with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard of Louise's place in Expo Park, so you will be hearing ghetto birds flying over, my dog acting like a psycho. Um, the Pandulce man, we haven't heard him in a while. We got to hear a little bit of the Pandulce man today. And um, there will be profanity, so if you're around children or at work where you shouldn't be listening to profanity, it's probably a good time to stop listening. ATL, ho. Yeah. FCFC. Pod where two scholars and the dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. It's your favorite Korean dicky, Slim. To my left is the bearded one, the dudes. Good evening. To my right, with the long luscious hair for winter, is the spicy one, Josh Spice. Appreciate your podcast as well. This is this is very tough. This is tough. Appreciate your Appreciate your potters everywhere. And joining us through the interwebs tonight family from Atlanta, um, some still stationed there, some closer than others. Um, and we had a great time. I think consensus was that the 3252's favorite away day is Atlanta as of right now. Um, and we got to link up with some uh, dope people who are kind of on the same wave as us, um, spreading the, the football gospel through the audio waves. And um, yeah, we have Grego from FTC United on the pod with us tonight, as well as Sky from Shea Butter FC pod. Um, thank you guys for being on for the third time. <laughs> What's happening for the for the thirtieth time? What's good? It's good. We out here. I still can smell the Claremont Lounge in my clothes. Hey, I hope so. I hope so. It's, it's oh God, y'all went out oh, there. We're, just, we're, we're shouting out strip clubs. <laughs> hey, Follies, I miss you. I I, I wish COVID didn't. Yeah, take no. You away. I, I want to give a shout out to everyone who went on the Atlanta away day. Uh, that was a really a different experience. But that first night at the Claremont Lounge was was peak. You know, we went to like the more serious strip clubs after that. But I don't know, man. Claremont. Can I go to Magic City? Claremont. Yeah. We did go to Magic yeah, City. The you next know what? Day. So, yeah, it, 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 I remember that. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not a good look to take like 60 people to Magic City on a Friday or Saturday. Why not? Night. You gotta go. You gotta go turn up. <laughs> it's already too crowded in that motherfucker. You know how many posses come through Magic City? Like, like 60 yeah. should be light work. Yeah. Light work. Yeah, that's that's light why work. I used to go to Follies, but they took Follies away from me. Yeah, that one's uh, that one, that one kind of hurt my heart. But uh, you know, right. we, we we're still hanging on, holding tough. You know, like Onyx is back, so. Like I said, you know, you, you lose one, you gain one back. It's, you know, we're, we're making it work. Yeah. So, so Sky and Grego should know that Slim here, he's like a he's like an ATL enthusiast. I mean, he spent some – he lived out there at one point. I mean, I don't think a pod goes by where he doesn't start talking about Atlanta. And I think at some point he might do, pull a Sky and go move out there and be the be the LAFP voice <laughs> in, the, in the universe of, of the five strikes. I, I wouldn't put it past me. I do love me some Atlanta. Hey, really there's does. something about the air, the the humidity. That when Slim was walking through the streets and we're going through the Waffle House, like he was just happier, y'all. It was weird to see. Was there was some like, pep in his step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He hey, had kind of lost his groove. Yeah, he, he lost the groove throughout COVID, and then he just like was bendy all all over again. <laughs> right? he, was, he was doing a little jig up and down, up and down the streets. There. Which, and I think my my people in Atlanta will love to hear this. Was not the Slim in New York. The Slim in New York was not pleased. To be in New York, the swim in New York never wants to go back to New York. Fuck this, New York can be very overwhelming for you know because like New yeah, York is massive, especially if you you are like you adjust well to places like Atlanta and like Southern California. Mm-hmm. These are a little more slow paced. I can stand on a street corner and like hit my weed pen and like not get anxiety from all these fucking people walking around everywhere hella fast. <laughs> Um, and I'm too fast to be walking at New York pace, bro. Like that's they be walking crazy over there. And Grego tall as fuck, man. I don't know how you're doing the subways, man. I think be a little cramped. You, you know what? I haven't I haven't been in New York in like a good uh five six years. I'm, I'm hoping to change that this year. I'm like I just got my booster uh, on Monday, so like I'm I'm ready to travel and shit. So like, but yeah, like New York is just a, a totally different beast because like you don't you don't realize like how big it is until you actually get there. You're like. I remember like the last time I went and I was going into Brooklyn and like just Brooklyn's so big that you like, you really need about a good week. If you actually have any plans on trying to like hit most of New York, because there's just no way like the place is absolutely gigantic on, on a scale that all the people really understand. But we don't need all that scale. We just need the beltway in Atlanta, you know, a nice calm afternoon down the beltway on a skateboard, you know, chilling, eating all the deliciousness. Yeah. Wait, is it safe all the way through the belt the belt line? Because you can get got on the scooter. I, yeah, we ain't going there with the down or anything. You ain't crazy. Hey, well, hey, I'm from I'm from the southwest Atlanta, Charlie. So I'm just I'm just yeah. making sure. And if you're looking pretty, then you get got. Then surprise. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, she's yeah, she's outside perimeter. Like you know, when I go out west, uh, southwest in Atlanta, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm from southwest Atlanta. Oh, so I'm go, from yeah, I'm from I'm from where all the Koreans are at. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's kind of like? I actually saw somebody up in um, QT earlier today with like a product of SWAT's uh, uh, hoodie. And I was like, damn, I want that so bad. And I was like, because I'm, I'm not even from here, but I'm like, yo, that, that shit was just so hard. And I was like, like that's what I'm talking about, man. But yeah. I, yeah, I bought, I bought my car from Macon, Georgia. Is that, is that close to where you were from? No. No, I'm from. <laughs> no, 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 I'm from. Technically, it's not. Yeah, it's from, not too far. Not it too ain't no too far. Don't do that. It's two hours away. <laughs> I'm from. I'm from yeah, Southwest Atlanta. Ti, oh, okay. I'm from. I'm from the hood. 
I'm from here. Two and a half hours away. Not that, that good, that bougie maze education, but you know, we're not talking. Well, about- yes, I had that bougie maze education. You have to put all my business out there. But yes, I am still from. <laughs> while there is mad education, I am still from Southwest Atlanta. Um, so, so for those listeners who don't have the the good privilege of being with us tonight, uh, Slim Spice and I are coming to you live from the backyard as usual, and we wish. We had our two guests with us in person, but Guy is, as we've mentioned, a transplant, so she's in Torrance actually, and we're gonna we're gonna definitely kick it with her this year as Angel City comes into effect, which we'll talk about later. And Greg was coming to us live from from the A and has been kind enough to wait all these these long hours and into the night as this pod the pod the candle still burns. And um, you know, we wanted to we wanted to kick the episode off like we normally do. We wanted to talk about uh, oldest football memories, and I think we're gonna start with Sky. I want to. I kind of want to hear Skye's how she got into the game, how she got into the culture. What is your oldest football memory, Sky? All right, so I'm old. So I was around when the Atlanta beat was in the women's professional. What is that? What is the WPS? Can't remember the name of that league. Yep. They were playing at Herndon Stadium, which used to be the Morris Brown College, which is HBCU in Atlanta. Their stadium <clears throat> and I actually played soccer at the Y at seven and I was clicking up the little boys and I played until I, I had nutmegged this dude and scored. And then he got mad and went for my knee. And so I was on the ground upset. My mom was pissed because the coach was like, well, she shouldn't have cooked him up effectively. And then um, I was ready to fight, but she took me out of soccer at that point, but I didn't play again until I was in high school. Wait, I have to actually interrupt you for a second. We've done a hundred something episodes of this. That was probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, uh, oldest football memory. My oldest football memory is like Megan, this kid kicked me in the knee. My mom had to hold me back from fighting him. I was seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty hard. That's pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, it was, yeah, that was, yeah. Cause I, I mean, I wasn't, so I wasn't like super caught up. I didn't really get down into it. Cause even in high school when we played, um, which was a wild experience. Because our coaches couldn't coach and we were kind of learning on the fly. So that was wild learning soccer effectively for real, for real, while in college. I mean, high school. Um, I didn't really get into it though until I got to college. I was at Georgia Tech and um, everybody, the most popular sport at, in tech was soccer and everybody was super passionate about it. I mean, you talking about people playing on basketball court, like fighting with people, being like, we're going to play soccer today. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it wasn't until like watching the World Cup in 2000, in the early 2000s and watching it with people who actually watch it. That really got me hyped up and paying attention to it. Then we had every, we had the Premier League, we had La Liga, we had everything. So I was watching soccer, skipping class, and that's how I really got into it. So, And for Georgia, I, I, and this is like completely anecdotal, but is there something that that's sort of you like pushing out people at, at the basketball court to play soccer in college. Like, is there, is there something about Georgia in general that makes it kind of a soccer hub, like secret soccer hub in the South? Has it always been like that? Has yeah, it's always, always been, been like um, that. Yeah. 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 It's always, it's always wild to me when you don't see something like when you haven't seen people on the national team, haven't seen black or brown people on a women's national team in particular out of Georgia or Florida. Cause you got people who play, but it's access. Um, but yeah, it's always been like, you want to sell out the Georgia Dome or what is now the Mercedes, whatever the hell. Like what we used to pack it out was soccer. 
Um, you have people from all over the place because where Atlanta's located is so central. So everybody, it's no thing for people to drive from other states and come to watch games. So that would pack it out, shut it down. So that was never a shock. I think it was a big surprise when I got to Georgia Tech that they didn't have a, um, they didn't have a, they weren't in Division One in the ACC in soccer for men or women at all. And it was wild because that was so popular. Um, what kind of games would um, sell out the Georgia Dome for soccer? Oh, uh, particularly countries. Or even, wow. not, that's a lot. Even if they were the random career league popped like up in Atlanta. Friendly? Yeah, okay. Yeah, preseason friendly, it was shut it down. Like, that was if the Falcons were sorry, so they couldn't sell out nothing. But, <laughs> but, the, but you have a random Mexico playing somebody, Columbia, anybody. Shut down, bajillion people are there. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We guys aware of this because we we always talking about the the South and Georgia being like the college football hub and the NFL football hub a little less just less so. But you guys uh, were you guys aware that the soccer well soccer I, culture I think was so that strong? I think that the you know the lid popped off when Atlanta United came and started selling out their stadium. And then everyone did the deep dive on the story and unveiled the fact that no, in fact, exactly as guys saying that like the game had been there for a while. I mean. Atlanta's just been football and Freak Nick for as long as, you know, it's always been, right? So, shout out to all my Freak Nick fans. Go watch yeah. the animated hey! one with T-Pain, with T-Pain. You know, have you seen that? That's, that's, some, that's some real shit. Shout out to Benji. He ed- he animated on Freak Nick. So, yeah. Oh, man, I remember that car too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's been football and Freak Nick in Atlanta forever. And I think that, um, you know, hearing it from Sky and, like, talking about how it was on the playground, I haven't, you know, I don't think I've ever talked to somebody like, we're talking about it on that like ba- that base level, but I think yeah, at this point, there's no doubt left that yeah. the yeah. South, it, not only not only Atlanta, but the South is in love with the beautiful game, as most places in the right. world, and people come from all over the world down there and probably bring you know their their take on it and their culture on it, and all those of us who went to Atlanta last year got to experience it firsthand, as so many have. And I know that, you yeah. know, we're getting more teams. We're getting more Southern teams. you got the, the team in North Carolina this year, the Charlotte FC coming through. Um, they're talking about selling out their stadium. So it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I look forward yeah. to more tri- more Southern trips for sure. I was going to say, the biggest thing that you didn't see it more so is because of access, because the pay-for-play shit. Um, so people would play in the streets and stuff. But, like, it was hard. It was access. Like, even in high school, I played in a black all-black team um and we had we were a bougie high school so you did have people who could afford to get in the system but it was so hard to figure out you know how can I go play soccer beyond high school when even for lacrosse I mean I dated somebody who played lacrosse like what you know it was easier path to figure out how to go play where Mm. for soccer you know it was so inaccessible particularly in the south like Mm. that's probably the bigger issue but it's popular it's super popular Now, Grego, I know you have been in Atlanta for a while, but I don't think you're originally from there, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from North Carolina. I grew up in Virginia, D.C. and all that, and I've been down here uh, 10 years. Cool. And so tell us, yeah, fill us in a little bit on, on your side and how you got into the game, your your oldest football memory. My absolute oldest memory is actually just, uh, like, I used to be one of those kids that just, like, I'd flip through the sports illustrators like all the time when I was a kid, every time a new, a yeah, new yeah. issue came out. And like one, one time I saw this picture of uh Lothar Mateus um, holding up the uh, world cup when um, 
West Germany won the World Cup in 1990. And just, you know, I was like, oh, like, I just remember just seeing like the World Cup trophy. I was like, that looks, that looks dope. And, and then like, of course, following the World Cups and everything. I will, I will tell you this, because like, I'll tell you like my first soccer memory here. Actually, my second soccer memory, because there was Soccer Bowl 2013, Cosmos and Silverbacks. That's a whole, that's a whole episode in itself. But so the next year, I think it was uh, 2013. Um, I, I was at a brew house. It's a soccer bar here in Atlanta uh, for a U.S. World Cup qualifier. And I think they were playing like St. Kitts and Nevis, something like that. I just remember, I think it was uh, uh, Brad, one of the Brads up in uh, Seattle. He scored a game winner. And, but like the, the bar was just packed. And like, for those of y'all outside of Atlanta, y'all probably people would just say like, yeah, that Atlanta wasn't in the soccer like that. And like, I saw how packed it was. And I was like, oh, something's here. Something can definitely be here. And this was before United was even uh, announced yet. And I was like, if, if somebody comes with the right, uh, with the right energy and the right effort, like this can, this can really work. And just, just by, just by me seeing that, that, uh, that energy up in, uh, up in brew house and lo and behold, have uncle Arthur, Arthur Blake, um, um, come through with the team. And like, even like when the team was first announced, you like, you're still having your doubts. And then like, I, I went to the event where they actually announced the actual Atlanta United name. And I was like, oh, they're for real. I, I, I was sold like from the jump. I was like, oh, this this is this is going to be real. And I never thought it would be like 70,000 people in the bins real. But I just knew that, yeah, like they're going to come correct sooner rather than later. And, you know, the rest is uh, as they see history. Yeah, no, I mean. I, I think that's to flip that all that that good goodwill and that that genuine culture on the streets and, and in high schools and college about the soccer love into Atlanta United seems like I mean it was kind of meant to be that y'all are the clear case of the best case scenario for an MLS expansion team right I remember when Atlanta United kind of broke through just how exciting the the play was and how about it the fans were at all times on how how supportive culture was being built. And I think what we've seen here in LA as well is like, yeah, supporter culture takes off like that because there is a ground for that before, right? There's a there's, there's a building block that's been built for decades before that. That's why when you actually have a house and you have a stadium, then naturally it'll it'll just kind of explode like that. But yeah, I remember thinking Atlanta United just, just the way that the way in which that it started was just so incredible to see and it's so good for kind of um, soccer in this country. I, I definitely, and, I think, I think that, um, like, I know, like for me, cause up until then, like I, I've always fought MLS. Like I, like I used to be, um, DC United supporter beat up in that area and everything. And like I said, when I went to that first event and saw what could happen, I was like, that's, I made the commitment at that point. I was like, I'm getting involved and I'm going to try to help do what I can to help shape the supporter culture here. And I knew that, you know, from what I experienced, you know, just in the past, I was like, obviously there, there wasn't really uh, a strong environment for, for black people to get involved. And I was like, you know, especially for a city like Atlanta, I was like, like we have to be involved here. And, you know, I, I did my part. There's like, dozens of people 
you know, our supporter groups who who contributed and you know has, has helped make this a a diverse um, uh, mix of people. There, I think, really reflects you know what what Atlanta at least claims it is most of the time. <laughs> so it's uh it's, it's been uh it's been a real dope experience. Yeah, Greg, and you mentioned Sports Illustrated before, right? Flipping through all those covers, like the only two times I can remember soccer being mentioned on the cover of SI was first, um, I mean, one, one of them was David Beckham going to the Galaxy. I remember when he, uh, speech blonde dyed his hair and it was a fucking mess, so he shaved it. And then that was for the press conference. He kind of took it like, can this man build up a soccer culture in America? Yeah. The other one was Freddie Adu, right? Freddie Adu with DC United, mm-hmm. the youngest, like, American player, youngest professional player. And it's almost kind of to, I mean, those, I, I think Beckham did what he came to do, and now he is who he is in the sport. You know, we got the ghetto birds flying overhead. We're, we're coming to the live from the backyard. Park, Everyone wants this podcast to happen tonight. <laughs> Everyone's on board. Uh, no, but I hear about, like, almost to, like, and, like, people look at that and almost laugh at it because it's like, oh, like, of course not, like, soccer can't break through because, but then I think it's almost to the detriment because when you hear a story like Lenny and I and hearing about the backbone that was here in that region for this whole time, like it's the, it's a story that American sports can't really understand. Right. In a lot of different ways. They, I think American sports writers and American sports fans believe that they have like just the, the structure and the picture of all this, you know, 200 years, 150 years of American sports. But then you see soccer come up and you can fill out a 70,000, you know, person stadium like this and uh, in Atlanta and have such a great base. Like it just, it just shows you that like, there's still stuff that the mainstream does not understand. And I think kind of an interesting place to, uh, to, to come up with a professional team. I think that um, the, the biggest thing there is that they are, are you in a position where you want to change the narrative? And cause I think that up until um, Atlanta came, you know, the idea was that, yeah, team will get an expansion team, expansion team and like maybe, it might do all right at the gate and, you know, like they'll go through this, this normal expansion team blues and, you know, maybe it's in like three or four years, they might be something. Um, I, th- I think that what you had here is that you had an owner uh, who, you know, developed, whose name was well known in Atlanta between, between Home Depot and the Falcons and, and also just people know him to, the develop a strong, like he doesn't have that shit. So that's kind of the best way to put it. And then you had uh, the president, Darren Eels, like he's been a, a bulldog in itself. And then you have Boca Negra, which the results are there. I'll say that much, but of course I, I have, I have other feelings for him at this point, but, um, but I think that they, they came with a strategy that, that was, that brought people in, and and then also brought even more people in because I think that if they had just tried to just run some type of static uh, play out, out on the pitch, like it wouldn't attract anybody. Like we had something that was attractive that people wanted to see. Like we, I never had a boring game like those first couple of years. So it's like people wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, like that's the type of – I think I wish more teams would – copy as much of that as possible because I think that, you know, there's no reason why if Atlanta can do it, there's no reason why Nashville can't do it. There's no reason why Orlando can't do it. There's no reason why St. Louis can't do it or Charlotte. And I'm like, like 
we want like it should be good when you have crowds of 45, 50, 60,000 uh, at, at the games because you're because the goal should be to grow your business and grow the game. And if you're if you're doing that everywhere, that, that's that helps everybody. So I'm I'm more of a creature who loves details and who loves the smaller things rather than the bigger sizes. And I think that one thing that the LAFC and the Atlanta, you know, supporter bases both share is that we like our stadium for the most part. We like our owners. We we've been able to enjoy like quite a lot of exciting football. I am jealous of the MLS Cup, of course. But the one other thing I'm super jealous about with Atlanta is how they've been able to incorporate hip hop culture. And as Gregor was talking about earlier, incorporating like the black experience and elements of that into into what happens in the stands and you know whether it's the artists that you're getting to see come through the Jeezy's, the killer mics of the world but also just like how you know the we ready chant like straight up and like there's just there's so much about the hip-hop part that i love being there in person and noticing like just the small little aspects of the way that like that because that city to me is such a such a hip-hop staple right like so many things in my life that i love uh, came from that and what was it like kind of watching that part evolve sky i don't know you were probably watching from a distance at that point because you might have already been over here but were you yeah. excited to see the way that like hip-hop culture and maybe other parts yeah. of you know black culture was making it into atlanta united yeah yeah because yeah. i mean even if i didn't watch mls like that it was cool to see what was happening with atlanta united um even in la because um yeah what i expect because i'm tired of people whitewashing soccer just keeping it real. And that's part of the issue with the coach, the coverage, and then people not recognizing that, yeah, Atlanta is a soccer city. Because, uh, you know, it's whitewash. Where if it, it long time ago, you could have been had, like you see it. I mean, what I really like about Atlanta is across any sports, they incorporate what the culture of the city is and is hip hop. And so, you know, you have the marching band vibes, you have the, the like the chance you have is fun you have the whole experience that is really and then also where the where you're located is by the atlanta university center which effectively is the historically black colleges and universities so that style um the show style van vibes that you get with that is blended it's a part of the culture i mean drumline is a sanitized version of what uh, marching man culture is like um to the atl movie by ti where you talk about skating and then how skating is like a whole situation when you're in atlanta like that whole vibe you expect to get that kind of vibe at a game you can't have i mean like yeah, it'd be uh, uh it'd be i would never believe that you'd have a soccer game and be boring it's gonna be a litty situation otherwise you're not gonna have people come um yeah. and so just like it's cool to be able to see the embracing the culture, the fun product on the field, you know, it's as litty as it is in the Falcons game for better or for worse, you know, similar if you went to a Hawks game, you know, having that kind of, even a dream game, you know, having that kind of crunkness um, in the stands, that's what I would want to see. And heck, I would love to see that like even for like Angel City at some point, um, yeah. you know, having that kind of vibe and connection to the culture of the city coming through, in terms of the culture, which you play, like I like that. Yeah. So it's been cool to watch that from a distance. Get them on the yeah, two you can get that. What exactly? Get them on the two you can get that. <laughs> no, that's that's kind of the dopest thing about um, you know soccer fan and soccer supporter culture. It's one of the few sports where you can really get a 
you know, somewhat of a sample of a reflection of what the community's like, um, just by looking at what the supporters are doing, what they're chanting. Um, like you said, you guys have, you know, more hip hop influence than yours. We're definitely going to have more Latino influence than ours. Um, and we're definitely trying to get more hip hop into to our stand. And Korean and a Korean chant. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which we're still gonna work on. But yeah, my campaign. I thought I heard one last year. I thought I heard one. Well, we ha- well, they have one. We just haven't had it in like the full stadium. Okay. Quite yet. Okay. Cool. cool. Uh, so I'm curious, Grego. You know, now kind of bringing it full circle, like when you had, you know, mentioned your experience up in DC United, and then you know, Atlanta United starting. It's like, okay, so now you're six years in, and like, you know, do you do you feel in these six years you guys have seen even more like. I guess has has that the the black culture part of it increased? Has it stayed the same? Has it kind of wavered? Have you seen more people, you know, people of color, people especially black, you know, Atlantans, um, pe- local folks coming out and like kind of falling in love with it? Maybe having their first football memories and and coming in. Are you seeing that, or is it sort of it, maybe it's it's hard to tell still because it's early. um I'll say, I'll say this much because I mean obviously with COVID the crowds haven't had like They've been, they've held okay, but it's still, the energy is not, wasn't quite as it was in previous years last year. I'm hoping that this year we'll see, we'll kind of get at least close to what we uh, were getting um, before the pandemic. But um, I I think that, I think for a lot of people here in in Atlanta, uh, especially with Atlanta being such a transplant city now, what I think what's attracted so many people to Atlanta is that when when you move in to Atlanta, you already have like your allegiances to other teams elsewhere. Like you might like, you know, the Lakers, you might like the Yankees, you might like uh, the Nationals, shit like that. And like and whatever it is that you like in those sports, you're probably not going to change them. Whereas with soccer, you know, with MLS, there's a, there's a much better chance that you probably weren't following the team that you were following wherever you came from. Now you're come here and it's like, hey, I, I see this. You know, I want to get behind something that's Atlanta. And, you know, I think that it is something that it's probably one one of the few, few teams in the city that that's brought the whole of Atlanta together. Of course, you know, we had the. Braves that um that won last year and and that and that was a big draw. You probably saw Scott driving the bus up through Atlanta last year, and um and then you uh, of course we had UGA. Uh, well, why we don't talk? Why you bring that up? You need to bring that up. <laughs> I mean, right right now Georgia's on on a bit of a groove right now. I'm just I'm just acknowledging it. I'm just acknowledging. It. But um, I think that with United, like it's it's. It's brought the, the the locals and and the transplants um all all in like it's basically become Atlanta United, and mm-hmm. I think that um you know hopefully uh, going in, into um this year I think that after all the turmoil that happened last year I think we're we're still in a, in a somewhat positive space now so it's just a matter of continuing that momentum and hopefully getting back to uh, what we um, built the first few years. Cool. Well, I think we're going to take our first break with these guys. We're going to get back and find out how you go from first of all memories to starting podcasts about this shit. Break time. We'll be right back, y'all. 
Welcome back to FCFC Pod. We're here with Grego and Sky, two of our podcasting contemporaries. Yes, we said it. We're here with with some of the the incredible um, incredible masters of this kind of work of this culture that we're in right now. Um, Sky, I want to start with you. Like, I know it's uh, Che Butter FC. It's um, you, you and a co-host kind of talk, talk to the women's game, um, especially through the lens of black women in the game itself. Can you tell, can you tell us how um, you started it? And if, if you want to kind of give us a mission statement about why, why you guys started it. Okay. Um, so let's see. Actually, we started. Well, okay. So me and Sills actually met online. Um, it was almost a year ago. Wait, no, a year and a half ago. Uh, during the pan during the panini, well, it's still a pandemic. But basically, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were online. Um, I had actually just gotten on. I had gotten a, a public account to get my soccer hot takes off, and then I ended up running into sales. Uh, after another disastrous U U.S. Soccer Federation disaster of an end of the year, just ignoring Black people's excellence, particularly the Black women on the team. Um, and so we ended up crossing paths because at this point, cause everybody was stuck at home, you know, we were paying attention online. And so, you know, some of the stuff that you kind of ignored, cause historically I'd be out in the streets in Atlanta by that point, but I was at home, uh, that, uh, you know, you started to see some of the racism and stuff. And then you see how they were talking to some of the young fans and I don't know, somehow we were both going on rants and we saw each other. And so then we DM'd each other. And then I was like, yo, at some point we need to do a podcast. And we kind of like just talked about it indirectly, blah, blah, blah. Then we were friends, kept talking. We started talking to each other. We talk about soccer. We go back and forth on Twitter. And then at some point, Grego, um, like, would, yeah, because you running, yeah, running for the culture account was uh, like at some point added us, would hop in our conversations and then DM'd us and was like, hey, y'all should do a podcast. And we were like, you know, very funny. You were talking about that. We had thought about that, but we didn't know how to do it. And then effectively, um, Gregor was like, you know, they'd help. And then that yeah, basically started how we got started. Um, and so, yes, our podcast is the perspective of two black women, you know, um, where we want to give our perspective of the game. And then also utilize it as a platform to share black players, staff, coaches, anybody's voices. Um, because for so long we've been ignored in terms of the game. Um, and also, you know, not only telling stories, but, you know, giving an opportunity for you to like get to know, like, who are the black supporter groups, uh, you know, get to understand fan, you know, the fan perspective, everything, uh, agents' perspectives, all this stuff, because to be quite frank, white media has not been paying attention. Um, white entities in the world of soccer have not been paying attention. And you've have, and as a result, it's done a lot of harm and violence in the process. You know, some of the crap that's happened when you watch games from the commentating to, you know, the, the articles, the top 10, you know, when you ignore black players and their excellence or you diminish their excellence, to uphold white mediocrity, you then, you know, fuck over people's bags. Because, you know, 
And it's like, it has mad ramifications that you don't recognize, but being able to tell people's stories. So you get to know players, you get to see their greatness, you know, Sean, have people get seen, you know, connect with younger people who've been brushed off the stands, um, being able to give a voice, um, you know, bring people and bring the culture into the game, you know? So with our podcast, we just don't talk about and do analysis on the game. We also trying to bring the culture. So, you know, we trying to have a marching band situation at the game. We trying to have the fashion show. We trying to get people fluked out to the all-star game, you know, to the talking about what does it look like to have, you know, custom cleats, kits, all that. Um, we got different segments, get your fits right uh, to the pimp my squad. What does that look like? How do you make a fire squad to stuff like the Shea Butter crossover? In our last episode, we talked about how you blend soccer with basketball, uh, with basketball. And we had talked about that, like comparing like WNBA players to NWSL players. But it's funny in the last episode, we talked to Mariah Lee, who is, plays professional soccer, how she was able to excel in the game. She went explicitly into detail of how her basketball skills helped in terms of playing soccer. And then how that style of play has been transformative in terms of what you've seen in black players and then talking about differences um, in terms of the game and talk, just having conversations you just don't have, frankly. Um, and that's just a few of the segments going all over the place. Yeah, no. So Sky is, Sky is doing a great job explaining it, but I think she's under something. Like, Sky runs a fucking real deal, like, amazing podcast. Like, from the jump, this episode with Mariah Lee that I, I listened to this afternoon, like, you guys got really in really quick with the exact type of things that you're talking about and you're spelling out in your mission statement. It makes me feel like we just lollygag around, like, whatever. We hardly ever talk about anything that matters. Like, these guys got right into it. You know, they talked about Mariah growing up in the Pacific Northwest and, like, what it was like for her uh, straight up, like, on the fields and on the sidelines and the teammates and, like, how the diversity helped or didn't help and in which team she, like, felt different. It was just, like really real really quickly like five minutes in and normally for podcasts it's like people wait for a long time to get into the real shit but like i just want to big her up because what she's saying is you know she's practicing what she preaches and i couldn't like recommend you guys checking the pod more and giving that perspective of not just like the black players in the football world which all of us who love football you know racism is football (laughs) you know what i mean like it's, it's it's as part of it as as you know you could say like capitalism itself um, you don't need to look further than the Af- African Cup of Nations and how that's all been, you know, portrayed in the media to, to, to know that. Um, but, but Grego, you know, kind of talk a little bit about uh, for the culture and like how you ended up starting that. And, you know, in the same regard, how, yeah, how, how, how you've evolved and kind of what your mission statement is, as Spice is just alluding to. Oh, no problem at all. Um, I just want to say a quick thing about about Shea Butter before I go on uh, going to my stuff. Like, like I said, I, I, I saw just a dialogue between her and Silves, uh, her co-host, um, and like one of the things, like especially during the pandemic, I was taking kind of an assessment of what we were doing. And one thing I, I always notice is that the, the episodes that I particularly liked that we did usually involved women. And it is, and just getting their perspective on things. And one of the things that I sought to do last year was like I wanted to see about getting a women's show off the ground. And then I just happened to this uh, spot uh, 
Sky and Selves online. I was like, yeah, like I, lo- I love their their chemistry online. I was like, yeah, like this needs to uh, translate somehow on uh, in, in a podcast because like all things considered, like one like so what I noticed was that there wasn't really a lot of black women talking soccer much in the same way um, when we first started. There wasn't a lot of black people, period, talking soccer. I was like, yeah, like we need to change that that space. And, uh, you know, like they've really just, they've not, not part caught it, threw it back to the home plate, not, not again. Like they, they've really just exceeded whatever expectations I could have. Like they've, they've just been amazing. Um, Scott, before we we get, um, we get Grego, Grego's kind of origin story here. I wanted to ask you something about on, on that kind of note in the Shea Butter website says, um, you know, for us, by us, the podcast for us, by us. And we just talked about like the, the kind of the narrative being controlled by the white media, especially around sports and all that. So what is a for us, by us kind of look like on the daily between your, your conversation with the co-host? Like what do you think about in terms of programming, the kind of segments that you're talking about? I think you alluded to a little bit of the, the style crossover, how WNBA, even um, the sports crossover, but like when you're truly in control of your narrative, like what was the first couple of things that you really wanted to say? Oh, okay. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, I think the biggest thing was just to, um, be able to give a black perspective on things because things would happen. I think a big thing was we, you know, we as black women deal with bullshit in our jobs. I'm in engineering, Sills is in education, academia. We deal with bullshit all the time. So, you know, you trying to watch soccer and it's supposed to be a relaxing situation and it's violence because you're seeing racism and commentary, the articles, analysts of the game, how the coverage is happening, you know, just being able to just keep it real from analysis and give a black perspective in terms of stuff where you'd have the white echo chambers on the Twitters or in media saying, oh, things were good. And it's like, oh, hell no, this was a disaster. Or um, even what happened when Kaya McCullough talked about what happened to her um, at Washington Spirit, you know, people just glossing over it. And it's like, excuse me, the racism, y'all going to talk about it? And then trying to ignore her story later when white stories popped up, like, you know, being able to be people to have a voice to put that out there, but also to get stuff off our chest and bring perspective. Because we've had these conversations not only between ourselves, but in other group chats. And people be like, you know, we didn't, you didn't, you didn't see it. You didn't see these conversations being had. And a lot of it had to do because you had white people just talking white people stuff and not being aware of the other cultures. Um, and so, I mean, that was the biggest thing in terms of segments, how we approached it was, you know, what's the different stuff we want to see? Um, Sills is into doing writing, um, journalists type of interview type things to get stories out there. I like community building. So what is the integration of both of those things um, that just encompasses bringing in black culture, but then seeing soccer from how we would want to see it. Um, So, yeah. So it's not only doing the analysis, but can we bring cultural aspects we would love to see from a game? Like when I go to a soccer game, I'm not trying to be bored. Like I'm going to be, you know, I want to get my fits off. I'm not trying to walk in no bootleg jersey. I want to have a fire jersey, fire kit, (laughs) fire accessories, Jordan's match, hats, all that. But then I want us to be swag surfing in the stands. You know, you, you know, how how the players celebrate. We're not here playing, it's not golf. You know, you want the 
the vibes. You want people to have fun and get the whole experience. So what does it look like when black culture actually gets into the game and then get into the marketing and branding, but then opening the door for access? Um, because that's been the biggest issue. So you haven't seen the black media. You haven't seen as many black supporters because access, access, access um, and lack of marketing, you know, exposing all those things and then exposing the fumbling of the bag, like left and right, you know, trying to uphold white supremacy and keeping this white, the sport white. You've wasted so much money on the women's side in particular, just being stupid. Um, where it's like, y'all don't got to be broke. You can be making these billions if you embrace the culture. So that was probably the biggest thing in the drivers of like how we approach stuff. But segments just be popping up. We just be making up stuff. And we got vocabulary, you know. It's like, there is a vision. It's the get to bring black stories out there, but it's also to connect and build community. So I don't know if that oh, that's you. awesome. No, that's freaking awesome. Like it's, um, I, I, I love how you start off with me like, I want to, you know, it's, it's showing the, the kind of celebration of black culture, but just by the how fucked up the world is, you're watching something you're supposed to really enjoy and relax with it, and then all this kind of fucked up shit just kind of comes up on your screen when, like, it's, it's usually left unaddressed, and y'all are kind of, kind of coming in here and addressing the problems because, as you said, like, it all affects the bag of these players and, and the people watching it. I think that's, no, I think that's pretty, pretty wild to, pretty, pretty awesome and pretty, pretty cool to hear. I remember, like, even with, um, like, I became a Man United fan because, uh, Chisung Park, right? And I, love that game i love that team and then when i realized the supporters were singing one his his player song about it's about you eat dogs in your home country i like it like fucked me up it shattered my entire you know, like why do i love this thing so much why do i give so much of my heart to it when at the core of it is it's it's, it's built on such like a racist nugget a racist seed of it so yeah, no yeah. i i think it comes from this should be a place of of peace this should be a place of of near like zen for us but when things come up naturally that uh, that that kind of obtrude on that then like we all have to do our part to, to address it. and i think you guys are doing just that with um with your podcast yeah. the way the way ignorance gets celebrated in this sport is kind of just it, like, like i said it's a real mindfuck because like i said like it in no other sport do you see so many cultures blending in this and trying to be as one and, you know, when you see stuff like that and you're just and like you're, and you're trying to reconcile that and be like, yeah, like I, I'm this supposed to be my, my, my club. But like, yeah, like y'all doing some fuckboy shit. Like, what, like, what is that? And, right. like, and of course, and then they, you run into a stretch where you don't know if they're up or down, like like United is right now. Televille United. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're, you're like you. All you want to do is just just enjoy the game, and then you realize, yeah, like there's just so much stuff. There's so many layers. There's so many layers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what's so poisonous about it all is like, if all we all we consume is mainstream media, and then um, podcasts like yours and ours does not exist, then I, I think of Balotelli all the time, right? When he made it to Premier League, and people were talking about his mental state all the time, and it's like. If all you're consuming is the mainstream media, you're like, oh, this guy's fucking crazy, right? There's right. like all this kind of stuff. And like you start believing that narrative, but you have to figure out like there is there is another side that the mainstream media cannot understand and they're not per- perceptive to it. So if we're not giving, especially um, black players and, and 
and uh, players of color across the, the the kind of spectrum their their fair shout and their fair voice like everyone who falls outside of the white mainstream understanding of what an athlete should be is going to be considered crazy and then will be will be docked not only play time but as we said before the back right about the future kind of like longevity in the game itself is, is, is challenged because everyone's trying to make people fit into this one understanding of what an athlete and what a sports player should be. I mean, I think Balotelli got called up by the last Italy squad for the first yeah. time and since the Euros and whenever that was. I think we could probably easily make the case that if he's a, if he's a white eccentric striker playing for Italy, he's not playing on the sixth best team in Turkey right now. You know what I mean? He's still playing in the Premier League. And it's not just the bag. I mean, I, all the the things in the media affect the player's mental health, too. They, they affect, like, how he views himself. How could it not? Like, you know, you get told you're crazy enough times you start to believe it type thing. And so I think that, yeah, what what you're talking about is, is really real. And, I mean, that's the advantage of the NNO the region, I guess, is that we can start promoting these things more and more and right. we don't have to listen to ESPN FC, you know. <laughs> I don't listen to ESPN FC. I'm sure hopefully a lot of our listeners don't you know, listen to ESPN. Yeah, FC, don't do but, that. Be, bur- be yeah. better. Don't do that. <laughs> be I mean, um, if if Balotelli was a, a white Italian, like he'd be like I say if he wasn't in EPL, he'd be on, on Juventus, like playing there for like ten years and you would just say Oh, that's just Mario being Mario, and and they just yep. roll. With it. And you know, it's like I, I'm always, you know, taking taking back to um, there was an episode of uh, Dave Chappelle on the um, Inside the Actor Studio, and he was talking about like how you know it it takes like you have to be tough to last in certain industries, whether it's entertainment, sports, especially at the highest levels, because the amount of scrutiny that you're getting and you know, so it, to to mark someone off as crazy is just uh, basically just being dismissive of like whatever yeah. their story is, you know, to get to where they are. And especially for a a black man in Italy, uh, a son of um, Ghanaian immigrants trying to fit in a very non-black world, you know, you don't get you don't get to that that level without having a shit ton of uh, toughness and just mental strength to to get to where, where he was and like in the way that he got done you know both in italy and in and in um in england is it's like it's, it's 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 just wild like i'm glad that they you know finally just saw hey we like we still need him and i'm like y'all needed him the whole time like y'all probably wouldn't have missed out on 2018 if y'all were bullshitting with him so it's like yo yeah. like stop stop messing around with him no doubt grego tell us a little bit about you know how your pod life started and and do you share some some kinship with wanting to get across some of the same messages that sky was putting down earlier oh absolutely i think that you know when we got started um this was like back in 2018 so like like we've been doing this for a good minute now and i think that and of course the space was so different compared to what it is now, you know, like there wasn't two cents. There wasn't uh can I kick it? There wasn't their pub. There wasn't chop soccer. Like most of these uh, pods weren't even around back then. And I think that at, at, at the time I was uh, just trying to figure out my, my next, my next step as far as, you know, like how do I, 
you know, just dig deeper into uh, the this 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 soccer space. And at the time, um, I had a few partners. Still got a, a few partners. Uh, and like I said, we're trying to figure out what was going on. I think it was like at the All Star Game back 2018, and um, I had a conversation with a colleague of mine, and you know, like uh, that was like kind of when the when the light bulbs went off, and like I said, like at the time, there really weren't there really weren't a lot of black people talking soccer. Period. Outside of like Charlie Davies, uh, I think uh, Kobe Reed Jones. Jones. Like, like I don't even, I don't think he was broadcasting it at that point. Like, there really there, there were just not that many black voices whatsoever in really in in any media. And the one thing I always wanted to do, one thing I I, I still aim for, is just to help change that narrative that specifically black Americans aren't in the soccer, you know, cause I think that always the stereotype is that, you know, we're into um, basketball and football exclusively. And I'm like, no, like, you know, like we, we push the culture in, in, in all sports, you know, like don't, like don't get that shit twisted. And I think that even like here, even with, with soccer being such in a lot of ways, a niche sport here, I'm like, no, like we still, we're still driving the culture here, whether it's here in America or, or overseas, like, you know, like you see our fingers and everything. And you know, what, I, what I've always felt to do is just, you know, like t- uh, talk about the game in, the, in a lens that, you know, I think that like people will talk about the game like if they're in a, in a barbershop and, and like you, you're, you're talking banter, you're, you're, you're talking that, talking shit, like you talk about things that are also going on you know, like within the culture and in this society in general. And, you know, we've tried to, you know, create a platform for a lot of people that, that were already getting it. Cause I think that, uh, like I said, especially at that point, like they're really, they really weren't getting that platform really at all because just of how the game was being covered for black people and other people of color. And I think going, like I said, as we've matured as a, as a podcast and as a brand, you know, just like being able to create more of a, a roundtable environment. That's kind of like how when we linked up with uh, Two Cents FC, uh, we're able to grab more people uh, from from the network. You know, whether it be from Two Cents or Shea Butter or Can I Kick It, and you know, get those different perspectives, not just from here in Atlanta, but from all over the country, and you know, be able to see the game in, in, in different lenses. Cause one of the things that we always like at the end of every show, like I always close the show, like the culture is real, the culture is everywhere. I'm like what we have here in Atlanta, it's not going to be the same as in LA. It's not going to be the same as in Houston. Not going to be the same as in DC. Like everybody has their own different flavor and, and, and lens. And what we try to do is just make sure that each, um, each culture, each, each city, each, you know, team, like, like you, everybody, we want to see what makes you, you like, that's one of the things that I think, you know, is like what attracted us to the the Tigers, to the the whole LAFC vibe is just like, you see that, that melding of cultures and just how is, you know, you try to bring it all into uh, the one thing that got, I, like, I, I fuck with it pretty much from, from day one. And I think that, you know, like the more, the, 
the more we get stuff like that and the more that, you know, you see, you know, people trying to come together, like the, the better, the better off this game is because we're still in a space to where like, like we're still in a space where we're, where we're all trying to grow. And I think that that's something I think that gets lost in all this is that, you know, we're, we're not, we're nowhere near our ultimate form yet. And I think some people get, get comfortable to yeah, I just got to stick to what I've been doing since 1994. And I'm like, no, like this thing is still growing. You got to keep, keep going. And, and uh, like, don't, don't be one of those that, get, that gets left behind thinking that all we can do is sha la la all the time. Like, nah, we, <laughs> we, we got, we got more sauce than that now. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Greg, I mean, shout out to you and the whole for the culture family over there, um, Atlanta. But we talked about like, going. Are you like, are you like my, my motif? Oh man, it's so beautiful. Like I hopefully y'all see so, this on, on the podcast. Yeah, like I, I, I tried to make sure I I, I have a an LA theme on the, the on the episode this week. So y'all, like I said, y'all y'all check me, y'all people check out how I'm living. Shout out, yeah, shout out um, the forty two original stuff that I see back there. Shout out all TSG gear that that that. Incredible. Wait, and also like there. we must. It must be said. I and this was the first day I actually checked it out because I knew you'd come on the pod. I was just like, yeah, I saw a merch link on on the on the FTC website. Yeah, I clicked it. Yeah, I want one of those the shirts with the how many racism incidents are there in football right now? And there's like, <laughs> you know, you know, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, these guys, these guys like are coming that. out. These guys are these guys are coming out with bangers over there. I mean, we were promoting the oh. Tiger shit, but we should have been promoting his shit the whole time too. We got stickers now. Like we like we we, we go hook, yeah. that, hook all that up, man. But uh um, they got crazy merch coming. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Uh, we, we check out the, the check out their merch when you check out their pod because it's yeah. insane. And it's it's yeah, we'll drop the link to, to all the FTC merch, to all the the Jay Do you have any merch right now? It's on the way, it's coming. Angel City hoodies, you know, up up in the bank, um, you know, pretty pretty soon. Like I know y'all yeah, there's things there, there's things coming. There's things coming. I got a box on the way. Yeah, yeah, Sky, We've been we've been telling we've been telling our listeners there's a box on the way for about three years. So <laughs> <laughs> it must have got lost in custom. It was one of those oh, oh yeah, so this one of them came. Hey, it might. Hey, they've been running through snatching shit off the uh the uh, freight trains. The they train, might be out yeah, there. Yeah. Now, now I will now I will say this because like I because when Josh showed me the, the the basketball jersey when y'all when y'all came down like oh yo I fell in love with this thing so so hard and like. Shout out to too, to uh pep the pepperoni. I guess like they're out in uh, Korea, yeah. like South Korea. Like yo, this, this shit is top notch. Like yo, if y'all if, if y'all didn't get it one, whenever they I'm gonna get one. Players, do do another project with them. You need to make sure that y'all get up on that like ASAP. <laughs> we make zero dollars of profit on that because the quality is too good. And we, we Dude, like hey, so, hey, sometimes hey, the L is worth it. The price, yo, this price. thing is top notch. Hell yeah. yeah, we still got inventory, people. <laughs> 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 Gregor, you, you do such a great job of highlighting, you know, the culture, as you said, around around the country and as you said, kind of growing the game. Like, can you give us some of the highlights of the the, the kind of the best of the culture, um, black culture all around the uh, all around um, MLS and the country for, for the beautiful game as, as we've seen fit through kind of your eyes? Because you do have an incredible roundtable discussion that that brings up all these references from from around the country, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't talk about the the Henny Derby. Um, uh, the Henny Derby is a rivalry that started between uh, friends of ours from uh, Richmond Kickers and uh, Ford Madison, 
And you know, obviously, they like you know, Henny, Henny is is very prevalent in, in black culture. So they they uh, what they did was uh, create a bet. Like whoever wins wins the game gets a bottle of um, Henny uh, sent out to them. And uh, before the pandemic, we made it up to uh, to uh, Richmond for which is actually where I grew up uh, for um, for a Henny Derby match. And we did a big episode at like post game, and like we're tired, we're you know, like Abu was 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 too lit to, to even record, but like just the vibes was just so was just so positive uh, from that whole day, and being able to you know just fellowship with everybody, like the four Madison supporters, like they did like a whole bus trip um, from Madison. They went through like they made like different stops um, on the way down to Richmond, and um, it was uh, it's nothing but nothing but great things. Um, we uh, went up to. Um, uh, Memphis 901's um, very first home game and uh, being able to check out that experience because one of our co-hosts, uh, Coach Tony, um, he has a lot of ties to the Memphis area. So that was uh, important to him. Um, you know, like what we try to do um, is, like I said, we try to in- embrace, uh, you know, what every coach is about. I think that um, like during a pandemic, obviously it's been kind of hard uh, to travel like like we like we wanted to, but at the same time, we've been able to, to kick out a lot of good content, especially like, like in the aftermath of the uh, George Floyd murders and, you know, just the amount of uh, protests and statements that were being made afterwards, you know, and, and just getting, you know, perspectives from all and all over. And I, I was, it was during that period where we had um, uh, a couple of guests on the show, uh, Lauren Silver and Lauren Hutchison uh, on the show. Like that was kind of like around the, around the period where I was like, yeah, like there needs to be a women's show because, like I said, like black women in general, especially in, in the sport, get so underheard and, and just underserved, and like the perspectives are, are just so eye opening. And I think that for 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 many, it's like yeah, like they need a platform to, to speak their piece and. While we try to be a jack of all trades and cover as much as we can, I was like, I, like there definitely needed to be a space for for women's soccer that's talked about by by black women. And it's like, like I said earlier, like I, I can't be more proud of what Shea Butter has accomplished in such a short time because it hasn't even been a year yet. And like, like they're 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 killing the game. Like you know, they're they they really are, and. I think like just like for us, like we try to, like I said, we're all we're all about we try to share the wealth as much as much as we can. And you know, like whether it's showcasing um you guys, show, showcasing Shea Butter, sh- uh showcasing the other pods, you know, like I, I'm a big believer in, you know, if we can all eat, let's eat. So if um, you know, like what you guys are doing is um especially having you guys here in Atlanta last year, I was like and seeing it in person, I was like, yo. The, the fellowship was 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 real love, and um, like I said, I'm can't, I I can't wait to to get out in L.A. and 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 really catch that that on the ground vibe, and um, that's how it's, hopefully it comes to the rising later. Because yeah, I got my booster, so I'm ready. I'm completely ready. Yeah, we want you here. We want you here, Grego. We we got we got boosties. We got games coming up, but I think we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we, let's get into the Angel City bag. Yeah, let's get into the Angel City real quick. Uh, we'll be back with Sky and Grego shortly. 
Welcome back to the backyard, to the Atlanta guest, to the Torrance by way of Atlanta guest. We have a little tea time with Louise action going on here. I got the screen tilted for my guest. I'm so sad whenever we do a remote pod just because I can't serve him some, some delicious tea. Tonight we're having a black tea. Dashway Sean. It's a... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's from uh, from our, you know, our favorite tea vendor here, Tea Habitat. I brought the boys yeah. a, a, about a week ago. They got to experience some tea over there. So go go hit up Eman, check her out. She's got great black teas, great Wulong teas, and that's what we're drinking tonight. But, you know, speaking of tea and tea celebrations, you know, uh, the Alex Morgan tea celebration comes to mind. Earlier, we were talking about... Uh, you know, you, you flipping through Sports Illustrated uh, off of what Grego talked about and seeing, seeing footballers, but I'll always remember the Sports Illustrated covers of, of the likes of like Mia Ham. I think Chastain was on the cover at one point. I don't know why we didn't get Brianna Scurry on the cover. She was incredible in that era. But like, you know, I just, I wanted, I wanted to talk a little bit about women's football. We've done it a few times on the pod. Obviously, we had the, the you know, bring NWSL to LA folks. Shout out to Mark and Lindsay on. We've, we've also had Rebellion 99 on. And now we've got Sky, who's who's really getting involved in a big way in supporter culture in Angel City. And, you know, sounds like we're going to have a season <laughs> sometime in April or May in NWSL. And I just kind of wanted to, to talk a little bit about it. And Sky, maybe you could just tell us a little bit. We know now, you know, how you got into football, but how did you get into Angel City and how, how, did, you, how did you get deeply into the supporter part of it um, here in the last couple of years? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. So, I mean, I've been, I was watching the NWSL. I mean, I mean, I watch women's football all the time. So I actually um, was watching, hmm, dang. Because, like, it was hard to watch. I mean, we're talking about before it was on Paramount Plus, you were on, heck, Go90, all kind of, you were on different platforms. It was on Lifetime. Um, you had to, like, scroll. You were, like, on an obscure site watching games and stuff. But I watched NW, so I actually watched the Chicago Red Stars. And then, actually, because one of my favorite players is Kristen Press. So, um, after, yeah, after she got traded, then I start. oh, yeah. I was out here, but work was crazy. So, it was hard to catch games and stuff due to my schedule. But, I guess out here, I started, I had already been diehard watching. And with the pandemic, you know, I was just watching all the NWSL games and all that stuff. And getting back into it hardcore, but when hearing about that the uh, that the professional team was coming, I was like, "Oh, that's gonna what's gonna be what's up?" Um, to actually have a team here, because um, I was like a free agent, so that I don't get mad because I can only die hard for my Atlanta Falcons. Um, and so, yeah, basically, what dang, it's been about a year. Has it been two years? Um, I effectively had met some people. And I ended up getting a part involved in AC Pandemonium. Um, and so, man, that's happened, yeah, like two years ago. And that's basically how I got in. Because I just meet, like, I like building community, meeting people. And I had known a bunch of people who had been involved. Um, and so, yeah, they got me in. And, yeah, that's how I got involved. Just trying to learn more. Because, um, like I said, I had been a fan from a distance and I hadn't really been involved because I didn't live in a city because I was in Atlanta where you didn't have a, a team. You didn't have when I was in Atlanta, you didn't have an NWSL team. And then I lived in Tallahassee and Miami, 
no teams. Then moving out here, you didn't have a team yet. But so, the, you know, the team coming. Um, yeah, that's basically how I got involved. And then meeting people. So, like, I guess I'm going to be playing a little drums if I'm not, like, sitting in my season ticket. Ooh, in the skybox. In the, <laughs> I'm in the midfield box. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Because I wanted to be in the field house. I wanted to be up in the comfy seats on the other side. But I'm in the midfield box situation. But yeah, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a little put a little snare drum playing. Um, nice. But yeah. get, get, get some gloves just in case because we've seen some of our drummers just like hands get blistered up and jacked up throughout a match. Well, yeah. So that's the thing. Like during, the, like I can do preseason, but during the match because I can't. I got some hip issues. I can't stand that long. Mm. But yeah, like yeah. I mean, we did a, like a practice run where I was like, "Golly, man, you got to stand the whole time." Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm old. I used to t- t- ten years ago. I'd be like, "Hell yeah, let's go!" But I mean, we uh, we heard your first football memory. You probably still got some after effects on that knee from that fucking punk ass. Well, kid. yeah, that's part of it. Oh yeah, because there's a whole I hyperextended my knee in high school playing. Um, but yeah, like, um. Yeah, I mean, I can see. I mean, I was pl- I'm playing snare because I can keep the little beat, but you know, that's I'm awesome. gonna probably we're, I'm gonna be in my we're, little. We're looking forward piece. to seeing that. Yeah, we'll, we'll be at the matches too, and uh, we'll bring you Gatorade if we if we feel like you're looking parched or anything. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Pandemonium. Tell us kind of um, like what the what the yeah the supporter group you know what they're all about. Uh man, they're like about building community, um, like getting people, making sure people feel welcome. Pretty diverse, uh, uh, really welcoming. So they're not just like what's what I've really liked about them is that they've really been trying to get people involved. Um, you know, me as a black person, I noticed the difference in terms of living in LA, where it's been different because I guess people are more so clicked up and isolated. They've been like a real family, like, hey, we want to welcome you, get in. Um, really down there's some stuff they're working on where like exploring like stuff in terms of anti-racism i mean really being about that action really looking to community build so it's not just them as a supporters group they're looking to reach out to other supporters groups too to make sure they looking good because i mean you got so many populations you can't just be sitting there thinking oh me it's my supporter group only like not like you it's a family situation we all trying to watch game and support you know the team the players the community and get people in and hyped up. So, <clears throat> I mean, dang, that's <laughs> they like they really about making sure people feel seen, um, people feel welcome, people you know supporting the team, but also supporting people in the community and really being about that life and figuring out how you, you know, spread the gospel of women's soccer in Angel City, but also keep it real and true to what LA is across the board across different cultures so and grego i think you had one of the you had a red a guest from the chicago red star what was that a couple episodes back and then yep. so i know i'm obviously you know you, you you follow what i love about talking to you and hearing you and looking at your scarves you follow this this sport specifically in this country through different leagues you know men's and women's side different divisions you know talking about ford madison earlier what you know on the outside looking in what about Angel City is exciting for you and how do you think it'll fit in to like, you know, the, the women's landscape and just the bigger, wider American soccer landscape? 
You know, I, I think uh, getting the perspective from, I guess, the, I guess you can call it the inside from Sky, I think just the amount of, like, how much they really want to change the game for the better for the women as far as, like, improving the pay, improving the conditions. Uh, of course, so that's with everything that happened um, that, that, that came out last year that had been going on for years um, with the league. I think that they're um, – they – also with uh, Michelle King out, out in uh, uh, Washington, you know, like there's people who really want to see women's soccer in this country succeed and also be treated as actual professionals. You know, like I don't try to pick the funk and, and, and claim that I'm a, I'm a big women's soccer uh, expert. I kind of leave that to, you know, the, 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 the pros up there, but, um, but I, I, at least from what I've been exposed to is like you're talking about basic things that should be afforded to everyone. And the, the fact that you've had an environment that's been going on for 10 years and, and beyond that enabled a, a culture of abuse and, and just, you know, exploitation. And it's, it's, it's amazing that we've, it's amazing that women's soccer has has flourished in spite of all this. Like that's that's kind of like my my big thing is that yeah. you know it it is it's kind of wild that you know you you've been able to to cultivate prop that easily the most dominant uh women's national team up in in the midst of all this because yeah like and all the while you're you've been allowing executives and coaches to take advantage of uh, players in, in, in one fashion or another. And like, we need to get to a space where that, that bullshit, you know, this, this stops. Cause I'm like, like, just imagine what, what they could be if you actually treated them all like professionals. And I'm hoping yeah, that right. with the new CBA that just got, got agreed to you know, like we can finally, you know, move to a space to where what happens in angel city, um becomes becomes a norm you know i'm loving you know the the makeup of the team i'm i'm loving you know that uh you know, people are getting fresh starts out out in Angel city and like like i said hopefully this only continues to grow i'm hoping that um with this now in place we can finally start having more serious talks about nwsl coming to atlanta and and more cities because i i think it's i think it's been proven that if you invest in women's soccer it can succeed and if you invest in women's sports it can succeed so hopefully there's nothing but um but good things from here guy mm-hmm. from our perspective guy from our perspective like seeing all the owners you know that big conglomerate of owners i mean now i'm sort of like pro group ownership uh having seen it work so well with lafc and like having a single owner like in the case of atlanta united it's sort of a roll of the dice you're either gonna get lucky and get someone great like uncle arthur or you can get not so lucky and get someone like Delroy Hanson, right? Right. <laughs> you know, you're really in trouble, right? So um, yeah. I'm kind of a fan of this collective one. How has the ownership been for, for you? And have you gotten a chance to like interact with, with any of them? And have they been receptive in terms of their relationships with supporters? And does it look like they're going to kind of back up all everything that they're talking about doing? I mean, from my perspective, from what I've seen with the supporter groups here, um, they've been aware. I mean, they pay attention. So what gets said, um, and then they make responses. I think, yeah, they've been receptive 
to things. So things have changed as a result. Because, I mean, AC Pandemonium is loud. When things are crazy, they make it known. That I, mm. I, I, so, you know, you see the listening. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I think it's been good from a perspective. Uh, I mean, you see the diversity in players. Like, this is probably one of the most diverse teams of women's footballers I've seen. Like, just hell, the amount of black players on this team is insane. Um, and then the diversity across the board and like they're good players um, is like incredible um, front office makeup looks like it. I mean, there's some rooms for improvement in places, whatever, as with what you have with a new club. But they seem to be about really caring about the players and the whole experience. So um, I ha- I think they're, you know, people have been giving them like they've been making comments and stuff because they're like, it's going to be Hollywood. But I mean, it's been quite it's been quite you know multifaceted <laughs> um don't worry that's, a, that's an insult that that all things in los angeles get thrown yeah that's, but the, like, that's the easiest thing that people can throw in there when they're jealous hey, of, but when yeah. yo when your signee is when your first signee is chris and press like i'm like okay y'all paying attention um mm-hmm. and then you having all the diversity and then really really good players like they're stacked like they're gonna be kicking indoors and taking names uh like you and then this, what they're doing from a cultural perspective, because even before they had even launched, like the stuff they were doing in programming was way better than what NWSL teams <laughs> that existed already were doing from like reaching out into the community and then having different web series and stuff during the pandemic and then the stuff they've been doing. Um, so I know some stuff that they're doing coming up and some of the things even from the supporter group, you know, Icy Pandemonium and some others are doing that. I mean, you know, they seem about that life. They seem to be walking in and talking it. Um, but I do think having a multifaceted ownership group is good because you want to run into the toxicity. Because until we have proof that the NWSL as a league has got their shit together and they can vet, co- they can vet everybody, you, I don't have faith in some of these owners. Because um, you don't want another Delroy Hansen. Um you have some Delroy Hansons that do exist that need to go. But you when you have a multiple faceted ownership group, if somebody acts a fool, you can pull a rank on somebody and get them out of there. Um, yeah. For better or for worse, that might save the, the Washington spirit, actually, as mm-hmm. Michelle Kang owns it. Versus if it only had been the other man, you know, we're talking about a lost franchise. So, gang, gang. Instead, yeah. you got Trinity, Trinity Rodman signing like the biggest contract in NWSL. Yeah, that's why I'm like, do y'all have a, something to tell the people? I'm like, is Michelle Kang in charge? Because that'd be nice. But we're yeah. dropping drop NWSL exclusives over here. I know I got my ticket. You know, we're sharing a stadium. Obviously, LAFC faithful sharing a stadium with Angel City. A lot of a lot of crossover there. How about you, boys? Mm-hmm. Josh and and some of you guys excited for the for the women's season? Are you excited to check it out? Yeah, man. I mean, to be honest, it's like my capacity to add more football into my life is, you know, I'm not sure how much more football I could add on into my you life. You gotta add it, um, man. They're gonna be good. I know. They're gonna be good. I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm just talking like as far as like a season ticket thing. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I definitely plan to go to as many matches uh, as I can, you know, during season. Give all your monies. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna give them all your monies, Spice? 
Um, if they keep the the water a dollar in the in the north end, then I think <laughs> got to keep the water a dollar. That was the best. Yeah, we don't we don't got the that Atlanta United deals in the stadium, so when we got the dollar water, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was <laughs> unreal. Yeah, that's that's the dope thing about having an Uncle Arthur. He he don't really need the money. <laughs> yeah, we love we love you, Uncle Arthur. I can love him from a distance. So I'm excited to, but I'm excited to uh, see how Angel City and the supporters kind of re uh, retranslate the stadium into their own means. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that's gonna be kind of a trip to see all the kind of planning we put in, like flip back and forth between that and seeing how your version of the specific culture can come to life in the stadium that I know pretty well already. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see that. I'm it's it's pretty wild that we don't have to travel any outside of our own stadium to see football culture in a different light too. So mm-hmm. super happy right, to see right. that kind of come to life. Yeah. So I think this is the part of the pod where we're going to move into recommendations and, and close it out and thank you guys for your time. But so yeah, recommendations is the part of the pod where we tell you guys what to do with yourselves, uh, <laughs> watching things, listening to things, going out and doing things. Uh, let me, you got a recommendation to kick us off. Um, if you're like me and you're just kind of sick of people, deactivate your Instagram for a little bit. Nice. Peaceful. You know, you know, you know, you're an addict though. Cause every time I open my phone, cause the, the little Instagram icon isn't there anymore, but I always be going like, and my thumb's right there. So I'm like, oh yeah, the, the app's not in my phone anymore. You know, when Slim came over and told me that today, I'm like, it's definitely a new year, new era. I was excited to hear it. Uh, there's two out of three of the SCFC guys aren't using Instagram right now. So Josh, thanks for holding it down. Uh, Spice, you got any recommendations? Yeah, yeah. My um, um, my girlfriend took me out to a nice dinner uh, the other day. It was like, oh uh, yeah. Some some hipster swill nonsense like hipster swill like pop up bar speakeasy right up your alley bro yeah yeah <laughs> and she's like I knew you'd love it I was like I love it I love it so much um, but it was called F and Bar um, like food and beverage but F and Bar and some of the best bites of food and uh, alcohol pairing tastings I've had in my life like, what is it I mean where is it what are the what kind of what, it, what, what come on it's in Atwater Village it's on like the third floor of a recording studio it's like stupid like super fucking inside head shit but um they're on instagram you can just kind of pop in it's like donation based to, to to get your seat because they can't actually charge you so um i think that's kind of interesting but like, what kind they, of food was it what were the bites like um they did like an, an oyster with some kind of crazy thing on top they did uh, <laughs> your description fucking <laughs> they did they did a freaking carrot risotto like a carrot risotto and then they did like stuff like that i really hate right. usually, i promise you know everyone listening that it ta- probably tastes a lot better than spices fucking explaining <laughs> yeah this is this is this is what i do but uh yeah no i think it's just incredible i would i would wholeheartedly recommend it if you're if you're looking to splash a little cash and um you want a kind of cute little upstairs vibe <laughs> Cute little upstairs with, your, with, with the we homies gotta, or with the cigars. So, yeah. There we go. I, you know what? I'm kind of surprised that both of your recs tonight. You know, just but coming out of left field a little bit. I love it. But uh, keep moving around the room here, Sky. Do you have any recommendations for the people? Something to check out. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw one more in since we're Josh kind of went food and beverage wise. Um, if you're into tuner car culture and you remember <laughs> a little anime uh, called Initial D. Uh, out in San Gabriel, or El Monte, I believe, they opened up a uh, dessert, like boba shop, called Fujiwara Tofu House. Um, which, is, which is the uh, the business that is in the anime. Is, that's in the they anime. brought it to life. Um, yeah, no, because they just sold, sold tofu, like wholesale. But they, was like, it delicious? 
I don't, I haven't I haven't really tried it. I just I I haven't gone. I just tried the milk tea because I'm a basic bitch. But the big draw is that they have like classic tuna cars outside too, right? Yeah, yeah. No, um, they have that '86 Toreno uh, like parked outside. Crazy, right? yeah, crazy. Um, so yeah, so for all you anime fans that want a disgusting dessert, I saw that they serve tofu and red beans, and that sounds fucking horrible. Uh, if you're into anime, I'm not ready to rule that out. Just yet, <laughs> tofu is a magical, magical food. Grego, I'm gonna jump to you, and then we'll come back to Sky. Do you got any recommendations for the people? Um, actually, uh, yeah, um, uh, if you make it out to Atlanta, um, make sure that you go to the Blue Flame and ask for Shayance. Um, you, you, you won't regret it. Um, also, uh, to... Wait, what's the Blue Flame? Is, is that a strip club? Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, Shayance? Shayance yeah. should have kind of given that away, but yeah, go on. Um, also to plug the homies, uh, um, uh, Sky's co-host, uh, Sills was featured in, um, on the Premier League website with an article. She's a fan of, of Chelsea. So, you know, and obviously just plugging, um, uh, Shea Butter. So shout to Sills for that. And then also, like, if, if, if it's not too much trouble, cause we actually didn't record this week because I, I was way, I was preparing for this big episode so next week on uh for the culture we have the comedian kev on stage on hey on oh so, so yes big show, coming. big show coming big show coming so yes i mean I, what day what day are you guys recording uh tuesday tuesday we'll be out uh it'll be out next thursday so yeah uh, like we are cool that's uh that's a by that's the a time break. this is out by the time this is out, that'll be out. Yeah. No, 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 no. We'll get it out. We'll get it out. Okay, yeah, we'll get, get it out right before. Yeah, yeah. We have our. our hey, if, if, if y'all need help, I, I, I got, I got time. I can get this thing. Whew, uh, I'll produce real quick. But, um, but yes, next week, uh, shout out to um, um, to our our, our main guy too, since uh, Todd Phillips, who's who um, who got uh, kept together, and um, we've been able to chop it up a bit this week, and um, yeah, like it's uh. Yeah, like I, I didn't think that we'd be able to get this done, but uh, miraculously we've been able to uh, do this. So, uh, like next week is going to be uh, a, a pretty big deal. So make sure if you haven't done so already, make sure that you uh, guys are subscribed on either YouTube or any of uh, the podcast apps. And um, yeah, it's going to be a dope time. I'm ready to see uh, Sky just lose all of her senses just laughing. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, you already know Shea Butter FC and uh, FTC United. You just go check out those podcasts in full and also these hot new episodes coming to you soon. Guy, you got a recommendation for the people? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good situation. Um, oh, get you some cheer wine. Get a cheer wine float. Um, People don't know what cheer wine is. I told people they were like, it's some wine. It's a soda. They barely know about North Carolina. Um, I didn't know what tier. I didn't know what tier one is. Did you no, know what tier one? Is? A, a, break it down. Break it down for us. Break it down for us. Tier it's one. Like a, it's a cherry soda. I'm only saying this because the one Ebony Christmas is coming to my household sometime in the next two days, and so uh, she shipped some cheer wine to me. And so you need to get you some cheer wine and get you a cheer wine float with some ice cream. It's a you got to look it up. It's a cherry soda. It's not like a Dr Pepper. It's, it's a North Carolina classic. Yes, yeah, a classic. And if you get went to cookout, you 
Well, that's a restaurant. Jeez. Yeah. If you went to the little fast food joint cookout, you can get you a cheer waffle. <laughs> but yeah, get you some cheer wine. Um, get you a cheer wine and get you a cookout out in LA. We'll, we'll hook it all up. <laughs> yeah. That sounds other like a that, nice combo. I guess, I guess a recommendation we are going to, in the next Shea Butter FC podcast, we're going to interview the black supporter groups. Um, at some point, we want to start a network to support black supporter groups. Um, so we want to help bring the community, particularly in the Walsall space, um, build a community and all that to get more black people into the game. So <clears throat> that's a big thing. So we're talking to Rose Room next week and then Black Fires awesome. the week after that. So oh, yeah. that's the recommendation to check that out. Uh, and then, yeah, we got a website, ShayButterFC.com. Dot com, everybody. Dot com. You heard it. ShayButterFC.com. <laughs> I love that. The fucking SEO is crazy. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, offer- the question is, like, when is the Shea Butter going to make Shea Butter? You know what I mean? Well, also, actually, that, well, actually, while you say that, that, that is a thing that will appear at some point this year. Yeah. Actually, yeah, there's yeah. a thing. Um, oh, also, you need to visit the uh, yeah, Fort Culture site, get you the dope to see that uh, Formiga hoodie in the background. We got oh, yeah. some gear, get your name plates, get your name sets. Uh, we're waiting for the Fubu collab. Oh, we're waiting for the oh, Josh, go get Watts' damn jersey. Man. <laughs> I know, dude. That yo, you should see our DMs, man. This guy fucking is ignoring my ass. He's like. I actually right. just talked to him uh, the other other day because I was like, "Yo, did you get your jersey?" He's like, "No." Nah. It's like, like uh, somebody said they had it. I was like, "Yeah, we need to go and get 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 waxed." Oh, this this guy six got it. We we gotta we gotta pull up the receipt something. So I was like, six, I'll free Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> yeah, Thursday. Six. I can drive this to you." And he's like, "Fucking did not respond. Did not respond." <laughs> so I do have that jersey still. It's beautiful. Grego does some incredible um, custom nameplate stuff. That's kind of that's kind of a big FTC. FTC grind stuff. Is I that think, what the uh, six jersey is? Yeah, it's the it's the the symbol on the back with his name on it too. Mm-hmm. So I will get it to him, Greg. I just I'm reminded as I look in your face right now. I, <laughs> I, I just had to think. I was like, I, I knew I had to say something else. I was like, yeah, yeah, get stick his his jersey because yeah, like, yeah. Shout like, out that, stick that, doing, uh, doing a doing a lot of dope things with the Rams right now. Too. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, I, think- I, I, I do. I do have one one yeah. more recommendation. Stay away from Inglewood next week. This is going to be a scene. Hey. <laughs> I mean, a bunch of girls are going to fly out for a Super Bowl week. That's true, weekend. too. Yeah. So, so, yeah. If you got some money Just to be serve. smart. Be smart in these streets. <laughs> yeah, be smart. Yeah. Be smart in these streets. Yeah. Well, uh, as Greg said earlier, all the pros are coming to town. Yes. Yes, they are. All the pros. Mm-hmm. All the pros. Hey, all the pros, they- semi pros, and triple A's. They all come. <laughs> Love that. The call up. So, last recommendation of the night. Uh, we're all hip hop fans here, and there's just I'm bringing it back old school here. There's something called terrestrial radio that still exists, and uh, in the evenings on Thursdays, which we're recording this on a Thursday from 10 p.m. to midnight on K Jazz, that's 88.1 on your dial, America's number one jazz station out of Cal State Long Beach. You have something called Excursions Radio, where the host walks you through a jazz song. Then the hip hop sample, then a jazz song, then the hip hop sample, then a jazz song, then a hip hop sample. And he traces all these like classic and new hip hop songs through different artists. And a lot of times he'll have a theme, right? So, like, sometimes it might be an instrument or sometimes it might be an artist. Last week it was Dorothy Ashby, the harpist, uh, Afro harping. And, like, if you heard 
her samples, you would it would you'd be astonished, right? Because like you know, Drake songs have sampled, you know, whether it's like the golden era of hip hop all the way through. So check it out. There, there. Uh, for all the people who don't live in Los Angeles and can't find it on Terrestrial Radio, they put it on, online on the KJAZ website, and they have the last two shows always. Excursions Radio on Instagram. This guy, it's amazing. It's like one of the coolest things I've ever uh, listened to. Sachi and I listen to it every Thursday night. What time? 10 p.m. to midnight right. on Thursday night. 88.1 right. KJAZ Excursions Radio. Check that shit out. It's real dope. And that's my recommendation. And on that note, this has been another episode of the SCSC Pod. Thanks for joining us. And bye. Bye. Adios. FCFC. FCFC 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 FCFC